0: I think that in Dallas, this was something of an open secret, possibly. This, I'm talking about the cheerleaders incident, that, that allegation, um, but never written about.
1: Hey there, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Another great interview for you today. Last week, Tony Dungy talking about the Rooney Rule, really coming up with some great ideas how to fix the racial bias situation in the NFL. Really powerful podcast and i have another one today it's don van natta the eminent reporter for espn who broke a story last week it hasn't gotten a lot of attention but i'll give it some and that is the dallas cowboys cheerleader settlement for voyeuristic activity by one of their senior management for a long time decades this guy has been very close to the jones family we're going to talk about it with don van natta first of all we're sponsored as always by draftkings Now they've got a new offer for the NBA. They're the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now new customers can bet $1 on any team, get $150 in free bets if you win. It's that simple. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code ROSS, just bet $1 on any NBA team, get $150 in free bets if that team wins. That's promo code ROSS at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official and official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're going to get to Don Van Vannana now. He is the reporter for ESPN that has broken so many big stories. Don and I, longtime colleagues for Outside the Lines, the latest story about the Dallas Cowboys with so much bad behavior going on among NFL owners. I wanted to talk about this story last week where cheerleaders received a $2.4 million settlement for something that happened over the last several years with the Dallas Cowboys and people Peeping Tom behavior on their cheerleaders. So, without further ado, my special guest today from ESPN, Don Van Don, welcome to the Business of Sports Pod. Good to see you after so many, so many, so much time.
0: Nice to see you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Uh, we miss you uh, mm-hmm. in the outside the lines world. Um, you know, we were you and I were on that show a lot together back in the day in the Ray Rice era seven, eight years ago. And uh, it's great to see you again. And thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks for saying that. It's such a good time that we were able to uh, present NFL business, NFL legal issues in a way that I think is so needed out there. Not saying that other people aren't doing it, but when you and I and Bob Lee and others came on, it just seemed like we put a higher level out there. And I hope people appreciated that. And hope I'm taking it uh, with this podcast as well, well. you
0: are yeah well, I'm a fan of the podcast so it's 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 a great honor to be on here with you um you've you've certainly um, you know filled a niche that uh, needed to be filled and no one better than you so it's great to be with you
1: thanks so much and we, the story I want to bring you on is the one that you put out last week I thought is just so well done I've read it a couple times now, and we were talking before we started about the coverage it's had out there and it As you said, it's been internationally covered. You mentioned Australia and The Guardian. But sometimes the NFL is just so cluttered and Super Bowl and some of the other things going on, the Flores lawsuit, which I've covered extensively here, that it gets a little bit lost, not that it was buried. So I want to bring it out again. Um, I'm going to let you kind of have an open canvas as to the, the premise of the story, but I'll just start it out where... We have a settlement, un- settlement that's been revealed that's been out there for a long time of some Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders receiving payments for some activity that, as you described, the word voyeuristic activity. So I'll let you take it from there, and then I'll, I'll, I'll press uh, some questions off of what you set it up as.
0: Yeah, so um, the kind of work I do as an investigative reporter, most of the stories that I end up doing begin with a tip. And this one began with a tip from a former Cowboys executive, former senior Cowboys executive about five months ago, told us about an incident involving Richard Dalrymple, Uh uh, the longtime PR man for the Cowboys since 1990, also a close confidant of Jerry Jones, and arguably maybe the most uh, known and even influential PR person in the NFL, maybe even in American sports. Mm. Um, And about this incident that occurred uh, in the cheerleaders dressing room uh, back in 2015. And the way the tip came to us, it was with quite a bit of specificity that an incident occurred and it was hushed up. Um, And it was hushed up with a settlement. Uh, The tipster didn't know for precisely how much, but, but knew that it was in the millions. So that's how I started reporting it. And working on it and one of the challenges of the story um, is that there's n- non-disclosure agreements signed by everybody signed not only by the cheerleaders and their spouses but also signed by jerry jones his family and rich dalrymple um, so uh, on a story like this you know as a reporter you need the documents and it took quite a long time andrew before i actually got a copy of the settlement agreement and once i had that and then had a breakdown that $2.4 million was paid, Um, that's when, you know, we were getting warmer, but we then still continue to report. So the story is exactly as you said, it's a $2.4 million settlement that was paid in 2016 to four cheerleaders who alleged they were in their dressing room uh, on September 2nd, 2015 at the kickoff luncheon. There's an annual kickoff luncheon that starts the season every year for the Cowboys. There were 2000 people at that event. Wow. And so the four cheerleaders were there in their unmistakable blue and white uniforms, shaking their pom poms. And then they go back to the dressing room and they hear a door open and shut and they say, we're in here. Uh, And then they claim or the cheerleader who actually saw Dalrymple claims at least three minutes go by. And that's very important. We'll talk about why I'm sure on this podcast Um, and. Three minutes later, she sees a phone, a black iPhone outside a partial wall held horizontally at her while she and her three fellow teammates are in a state of undress. Hmm. And she runs at that man who's holding the iPhone at her, she says. This is what she tells HR of the Cowboys. And she recognizes Rich Dalrymple, who then leaves. And so that is reported to HR uh, later that day. Now, there's a security guard outside. This is important. Who wants to call the police? Who hears about this and says, we should call the Arlington Police Department. There should be an outside investigation. Uh, but the Cowboys do not want that that to happen. Our sources tell us. Uh, and instead, it's dealt with internally. And eight days later, uh, this particular cheerleader Uh, sits down with Jason Cohen, the general counsel of the Cowboys and the chief of HR, and tells this story. And there was frustration by the cheerleaders and by some of their teammates that they felt Dalrymple was not punished because they continued to see him around the team all through that fall. Uh, They hire a lawyer. They hire actually a team of lawyers who begin discussions. And it wasn't until the following year, Andrew, that uh, another incident happened. was discovered by the lawyers, and that also allegedly involves Dalrymple, um, that a settlement occurred. And let me just quickly describe that one. That happened before the cheerleader incident. I realize I'm shifting around time here, but in April of 2015, there was uh, the NFL draft, a live stream of the NFL draft room, and a fan, a lifelong Cowboys fan is watching uh, at his kitchen table at his home in Shreveport, Louisiana. And he notices... And he says this on the record in our story and also in an affidavit that was produced. Rich Dalrymple taking what he described as upskirt photographs of Charlotte Jones Anderson, who is an executive, a senior executive with the Cowboys and also Jerry Jones's daughter. And this fan, his name is Randy Horton, the school teacher from Shreveport, uh, says it happens multiple times. And so the cheerleaders lawyers in the fall of 2015 discover this allegation by Horton online because he posted it on Facebook. He posted it on a TV station, Facebook page. He also sent a note to Charlotte Jones Anderson via Facebook telling her that this happened. And they, the lawyers get an affidavit from him in the spring of 2016. There's uh, basically kind of a, an impasse in the discussions of whether there should even be a settlement until the lawyers for the cheerleaders get an affidavit from Randy Horton, present it to the Cowboys lawyers, and then in a matter of weeks, there's a settlement for $2.4 million, and the cheerleaders all sign non-disclosure agreements. So that's, that's the storyline that we discovered through some pretty hard investigative reporting and, uh, and laid out for our readers in our story last week.
1: Yeah, a lot to unpack there.
0: And yes, for sure. There, is.
1: there I, is. I think I want to start at the top, figuratively and literally, that um, you mentioned it. I've been around NFL owners meetings for the decade I was with the Packers, and there was no one not named Jones, more around Jared Jones, Stephen Jones, Jared Jones Jr., and Charlotte, than Rich Darrell Rumble. I mean, I think you're accurate to say, certainly if not the most respected, but the most visible PR director, and maybe that's a slight to even call him that, uh, head of communications for an organization, he was ubiquitous around the Jones. So just to give our listeners flavor, and you pointed out how, what a name this is. Again, not named Jones. I can't think of someone more senior, more, more visible with the Dallas Cowboys than Rich Darrell, which is why this story, as I said at the open, maybe I thought should be bigger because he is that. Now, maybe it's just people in the business like you and I, that know about Daryl Ripple, but I think people, even casual fans, have seen him without actually knowing who he is. And that sort of brings us to the end. We're going to go back to the middle, but the end is he resigned in early February, or maybe it was late January, with a statement, And but there, as you pointed out in the story, no comments from the Jones family, who, as I said, so close to him over decades, no flourish, no you know, no flowery language about his career, which you would expect. So all of this now seems to add up.
0: Yeah, it was very striking. So uh, Dalrymple announces his sudden retirement, uh, meaning I'm retiring and I'm gone at this moment uh, on the evening of February 2nd. And he tells David Moore of the Dallas Morning News. There's a story. And you're absolutely right. It's met with complete radio silence from Jerry Jones and the Jones family. They say nothing. Um, and to your point about the importance of Rich Dalrymple, there was a D magazine story in twenty fifteen. So the same year these two alleged incidents occurred, where Jerry Jones is on the record saying about Dalrymple, he's one of my closest confidants. Wow. He's not just a PR guy, he's somebody who's in the inner, inner circle on decisions that I make, and just singing his praises back then. And so somebody like that who's been with you 32 years, um, Also, by the way, uh, you know, Rich helped Jerry, I I believe, helped lobby, get him in the Hall of Fame around the same time. And for that person to suddenly retire and to say nothing was striking, there was not a story on the Cowboys website uh, about Dalrymple's departure. And the only really people that you saw anywhere, Andrew, commenting on it were beat reporters for the Cowboys, just saying how great Rich is and how he'll be missed and what a legend he is. But I, I... I can tell you that the Cowboys knew as of November, I believe, as early as November, you know, in the middle of the NFL season that I was calling former cheerleaders and some of my colleagues. And because I got a phone call from Jim Wilkinson, who's a crisis communications consultant who works for the Cowboys, who said, hey, I'm here. I know you're calling a lot of former employees and former cheerleaders. Do you have any questions? And I said to Jim, not yet. You know, when when I do, I'll call you. Uh, And I didn't call him until five days after Rich announced his retirement. Mm. But I had called lawyers around um, this particular uh, settlement in late January before Rich Dalrymple announced his retirement. And so I can't prove that he knew about it. You know, his statement says I retired. And the first time I heard from the reporter meaning me was after he retired. But I'm pretty certain Dalrymple Jerry Jones and others uh, at the Cowboys knew that we were pursuing the story before Dalrymple retired.
1: Beyond the two incidents and the two incidents are shocking to hear this again, as you said, 30 year relationship, did your reporting uncover any incidents or even innuendo that Dalrymple had an issue with photographing, peeping Tom behavior, upskirting, uh, and you're all reported before 2015-16 and after did you see anything like that
0: no i had never heard that so i did a profile of jerry jones in 2014 yes. uh spent the summer with him basically uh jerry rolled out the red carpet i had to actually in, incidentally andrew go around rich dalrymple to get that profile <laughs> I, I called dalrymple to ask if jerry would be interested he didn't call me back for about 10 days or to two weeks he finally got back to me and said you know jerry doesn't really like doing these things he's he doesn't always like doing these kind of big profiles. So I went to an owner's meeting in Atlanta, the spring owner's meeting that year, and found Jerry Jones in the bar at the Ritz-Carlton at the end of a long day, sitting by himself. Remember? Yeah, with like a double whiskey in front of remember him. And, you talk, yeah. I, and I talked about it in the story and introduced myself and asked him to do this profile. But that summer, uh, I spent most of the time with Jerry. I did spend some time with, with Rich Dalrymple as well. Uh, But no, I had never heard anything like this until that tip came five months ago. Now I've since learned, and this is kind of interesting, that there were other media people apparently who had heard about Mm -hmm. this incident in Dallas. Um, I had somebody tell me that the Dallas Morning News actually had a team of reporters that tried to prove that this had occurred a few years ago and and couldn't land the story. Um, So I think that in Dallas, this was something of an open secret. Possibly, this. I'm talking about the cheerleaders incident, that that allegation, Um, but never written about um, by anybody. uh, Obviously, until we broke the story last week. So, I mean, that's maybe a question for some of the media there about why that happened or didn't happen.
1: In that story, specifically, again, the the walking in on the four cheerleaders changing, uh, and in your article, you even lay out a a architectural diagram of the room. (laughs) And which I think is great, where Dale Rempa was sort of hiding with his cell phone. But that itself did, I, I guess my, my reaction is, OK, any, any go back to his, his uh, gravitas in the organization, right? Because any lesser employee you would think would be out, right? Anyone that's sort of up the chain, if that's even an allegation, they're out, right?
0: I think so, yeah. Um... And that's what's that's what's striking here is that so what the Cowboys say is that they thoroughly investigated this. Yeah. Um, but and it's a big but uh, they did not um, provide for us um, evidence that I think could, you know, once and for all determine how long Dalrymple was in that room. Mm. I, I want to be really clear with your listeners. Dalrymple does not dispute that he used a key card, a security key card to get access to a locked cheerleaders dressing room because he said he wanted to use the bathroom there. So there's a timestamp, the exact down to the second of when he uses that security key card to get access. He claims as soon as he saw somebody was there, he turned around and left in a matter of seconds. But there's also a security camera outside the locker room that also has a timestamp. That would show if he was only in there six or seven seconds that he was only in there six or seven seconds uh as i said earlier the cheerleader claims he was there at least several minutes the cowboys have that evidence they said they did a thorough investigation but they didn't turn it mm. over. turn it over to us so that's kind of striking right um yeah. but to your point andrew yes this is somebody with a lot of power he's very close to jerry jones um the cowboys the Cowboys would have us believe that they did this very thorough investigation, but you know, as an investigative reporter, you know, you, you kind of say, we'll prove it, you yeah. know, give, give, give the evidence. And they, they didn't do that. And the same with the, the draft room, uh, upskirt, um, video allegation or photo allegation, same thing. Uh, we asked if they, if the Cowboys had a copy of that live stream video, they declined to say whether they did or not. Mm. They didn't even say whether they did or not. But again, if they did have it and it proves, um, that nothing happened there, then I I think we'd have it. And I want to make one other point, Andrew, that's really important. So I didn't know anything about the Upskirt video um, incident until I got a copy of the settlement. So in the settlement agreement, there's a line that says that the cheerleaders and their spouses have to be quiet not only about the allegation they made about what happened in the dressing room but also in the in the language is, is about the incident involving Charlotte Jones Anderson that's all that's it says how that's how it's described that's how it's described doesn't say alleged incident doesn't say investigated but debunked incident says the incident as if it occurred And then with more reporting found out that it was this Randy Horton, the school teacher from Shreveport, Louisiana, making this allegation, providing an affidavit to the cheerleaders lawyers who then presented it to the Cowboys. And from their perspective, it was a triggering mechanism for uh, the $2.4 million settlement because then it's a pattern of behavior, of alleged behavior, Um, two incidents as opposed to one.
1: Would I guess this is uh, the answer is obviously no, but would would there not be a live stream recording that not only the Cowboys have, but out there somewhere on the deep, dark recesses of the Internet? About well, that?
0: no, that, well, that's a that's a really good question and one that you know we were wondering about, too, once the story came out, you know, there have been other. Uh, clips that we've seen. There's actually one on the Cowboys website, but I'm told by Randy Horton and others that it's not the same angle, it's not the same live stream video that um, was seen on the Cowboys website that night and we couldn't get a copy of it. We make that very clear in the story. Um, so it's, it's an allegation one that the Cowboys insist is not true. And also to be fair to Rich Dalrymple, he insists it's not true. Right. Um, but, um, but certainly it was true enough for the lawyers to put language in the settlement saying there was an incident involving Charlotte Jones Anderson that all the signatories could not talk about, uh, and so for that reason you know it was important for us if we're going to write about the 2.4 million dollar settlement we want to write about every aspect of it and that was an aspect of it
1: and again I, i'm not saying this this has definitely happened but for a school teacher in Shreveport Louisiana to make this up just would seem very odd like
0: he, yeah, he or she—I don't know, Randy. It's 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 a he, Randy, Randy Horton. And it's not just Randy Horton. So there's a couple of other people as well. I mean, so he posts this on Facebook. Another person uh, reads it and posts a message below that saying, "Yeah, I saw the same thing." There's actually two people that that said they saw the same thing. And again, he went. He thought so much of it. His wife, I, I guess, had seen it as well. He's sitting at his kitchen table when this is happening. Um, and he writes, as I said, a note on Charlotte Jones Anderson's Facebook page, telling her about it. There was no response from her. Apparently she didn't see the message we were told. Um, but you know, I interviewed him. He's quoted in the story. You can read his quotes. He certainly seems believable. He's absolutely certain he saw this. And, um, for my purposes, it, it It's important, as I said, Andrew, because once the lawyers discovered that and they got an, a signed notarized affidavit from Randy yeah. Horton and then provided it to the lawyers for the Cowboys in a matter of just a couple of weeks, there was a settlement agreement drawn up and two point four million dollars changed hands. So,
1: yeah, uh, I mean, I, I guess the last comment about that upskirt is that 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 charge is that you did post ESPN did post a picture of the war room from that year. And you're right. Uh Dalrymple is sitting right behind Charlotte Jones Anderson. So,
0: Well, there's a video very quickly. There's a video on the Cowboys website. It, it, it looks like it's kind of a summary video or highlights mm-hmm. video around that time. And you can actually see Dalrymple standing behind Charlotte Jones Anderson. And at one point you can see on his iPhone, the uh, photo app is open. Oh. Uh, yeah, you can actually see that. Um, uh, and, and again, ma- maybe there's an innocent explanation. He's taking pictures. Look, he's the PR guy, right? He's taking pictures of Jerry Jones. But the whole thing is just so bizarre if, in fact, it did happen because Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are sitting just a few feet away. And- uh, but, 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 but again, to get to that other incident on September 2nd, there's 2,000 people at AT&T Stadium. And Dalrymple gets access to the cheerleaders locked dressing room. A few months after this draft room incident and the cheerleaders say, why did Rich Dalrymple need a security key card to get access to the cheerleaders dressing room a few months after he was investigated by HR, by the way? So HR did investigate that upskirt video incident and claimed there was no wrongdoing. But the lawyers made a point in one of the letters that they sent to the Cowboys saying, "Well, why does he still need a security key card for the cheerleaders locker room after an incident like this was reported to HR, even if no wrongdoing was found?
1: One one clarification about the 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 cheerleaders. It was an event with two thousand people, as you said, the kickoff luncheon. You know, we had those at the Packers, big event every year. Um, was it the cheerleaders sort of did their thing and went to change? Was the event still going on? Yes. So Darren Poole would have had to leave an event which he has some role, I would think, in running a huge event like that and actually go down to where the cheerleaders are changing to use the bathroom. And then I think I saw a quote from one of the cheerleaders that there's a bathroom on the other side. There's, there's like another bathroom.
0: There's a bathroom 20 feet away across the hall, a men's room. Yeah. That he didn't use. And when you see the schematic diagram, you see that he, he goes through the, to the rear, uh, kind of the exit of the cheerleaders dressing room is how he gained access. And The bathroom is sort of on the other side, so he'd have to, like, walk through where the cheerleaders are. But, yeah, they were changing to basically go into their regular clothes to attend the luncheon. So they show up, like, 20 to 30 minutes later. They're horrified by this. Uh, They speak to the security guard who wants to call the police. Then they show up, and Kelly Finglass, who's the director of of the Cowboys Cheerleaders, is sitting at a table. Their are sponsors at the table, and she says, where were you? Like, you're late. And they can't say what happened because their sponsor's there. And it wasn't until the luncheon was over that they uh, told Kelly Finglass what happened. And then um, it was decided that they reported to HR. And they didn't meet with HR for eight days, um, which also annoyed them. Uh, And then when they did meet with HR, Jason Cohen, uh, the general counsel, is there and the head of HR. And they had already, of course, spoken to Dalrymple. Again, to be fair to the Cowboys, they confiscated his phone. It was a work phone. He claims he didn't have a personal phone. They confiscated his work phone. There were no photos, no videos of the women on the phone. They hired a forensics firm to scrub it, to make sure there was no deletions. They found no deletions. So the no wrongdoing language, Andrew, that they use, I think really applies to the fact that there were no images on the phone. Um, But nobody disputes, including Dalrymple, that he gained access to the locker room while the cheerleaders were in there. And do you,
1: you said that Jared Jones, his sons, Charlotte, no one is giving you a comment, correct? But you've talked to, as you mentioned, Jason Cohen and the corporate communications consultant. What, what is their official stance on behalf of the team about this settlement?
0: Yeah, um, to be clear, I did not speak to Jason Cohen either. Right. I asked to speak to him. He declined to comment. Right. The entire Jones family declined to comment. Dalrymple would not give me an interview. He gave me a statement. Uh, The only person I spoke with with the team is Jim Wilkinson, the crisis communications consultant for the team. And officially, the Cowboys say there was no wrongdoing found. We did a first in its class HR and legal investigation of both of these incidents, and they keep stressing no wrongdoing was found. But then. You know, as a journalist, how do you square that with the fact that a letter was put in Dalrymple's personnel file? So a disciplinary letter on October 19th was put in Dalrymple's file, unbeknownst to the cheerleaders, by the way, or the cheerleaders' lawyers. But it's right around the time, Andrew, and you know this as a lawyer, right around the time the cheerleaders have hired a lawyer and are thinking of possibly filing uh, a lawsuit um, as these settlement talks are going on. A letter is quietly put in in Dalrymple's file. If anything like this happens again, uh, he will be fired is sort of, um, I believe, the message. Although I didn't get a copy of that either from the team, to be very clear. Um, And then a $2.4 million settlement obviously happens the following summer. So about eight or nine months after this incident, the Cowboys quietly settle uh, with the cheerleaders.
1: Do they admit, does Jim Wilkinson admit to the settlement?
0: Yeah. He doesn't, well, he doesn't deny it. Um, okay. you know, there, I had a copy of it. So, um, you know, once I had a copy of it and they were aware of that, I mean, it, it this was a really hard story to do, uh, because of the non-disclosure agreements. Um, right. you know, nobody is motivated to talk, to talk on an, under an NDA because presumably if one of the cheerleaders talks, uh, each of them was paid $400,000 under the terms of the settlement, the Cowboys could try to claw that money back um and that's a lot of money for anybody but particularly somebody a young woman in her mid-20s um uh that's that's a heck of a lot of money uh to risk uh to talk about something um so yeah but i had a copy of the, the the final copy of the settlement with the signatures on it um as well as a breakdown of all the money that was paid to the penny and then i also had the affidavit that randy horton signed so i had documents and and so yeah they didn't dispute Uh, the facts of the settlement uh, or or the amount of money that went to Mm. the the various parties.
1: I want to double click on the NDAs. You mentioned the non-disclosures. This is becoming an issue. Obviously, people know there's been bad behavior by ownership in Washington. And a big issue that not only the league is, I think, looking into, but congressional action as well, as to what went on the women who worked at the Washington Now Commandos and What did they have to do or not do? And what went on with some of these situations? We hear about a groping incident with Daniel Snyder. Um, This presents the issue again, NDAs. So these cheerleaders had to sign NDAs. And as you report, three of their husbands had to do the same. Um, I guess I'm just noting it. I guess the, the only question would be, there was a point where I think related to Washington, Commissioner or somebody did talk about we have to look further into these NDAs. Uh, this is becoming an issue. And again, here we are again with NDAs and bad behavior. So I'm just making a point here. I
0: yeah, well, I, I I believe that the the committee, the House committee, that is uh, already had that roundtable with those right. those uh, former cheerleaders who worked. Um, for the Washington franchise, uh, and of course, that allegation was made now about this sexual harassment uh, complaint was made very specifically against Dan Snyder. but there was a roundtable uh, that occurred earlier this month. And I know that that committee on the hill is very interested in non-disclosure agreements. That's a big part of their portfolio. Right. So the question that emerges is, will they uh, pick up this story? Right. And and possibly seek the testimony of the four cheerleaders. And as you say, there are three spouses, all of whom uh, signed this NDA. There is a clause in the non-disclosure agreement, as there is in most of them, as I understand it. Uh, if you're subpoenaed you know. um, to testify, then the NDA is off. So, uh, you know, the question is whether or not the Hill, uh, this, this House committee will um, subpoena uh, the four Cowboys cheerleaders to testify about the. Uh, about this incident yes. i don 't know the answer to that, but that's, yeah. that's that's something that it's not too much of a stretch to um, consider possibly something they're they're looking at and considering um, to do
1: yeah, I mean that brings it, brings me back because when when this whole we go back to John Gruden right when that broke, right. uh, there were a lot of people saying uh, sort of hinting to me that oh, it was leaked by someone in Washington, and i 'm like they 're not that stupid because. <laughs> because what's going to happen we know what's going to happen is this is going to come back on washington because there's going to be other bad behavior it's going to bring out this investigation as you know that ended this summer with a 10 million dollar fine but no written report in a a league that has had written reports by the dozen whether the wells report, the mueller report all kinds of reports
0: right and 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 it's a good point andrew and the other point that's raised by this and I saw some commentary about this since my story broke is this is another example of similar to what happened with the investigation of the Washington franchise where you have a closely controlled investigation right that that was one where Beth Wilkinson uh, can only release her findings as as it's been reported if Dan Snyder gives the green light to do it not a bad position to be in right if you're Dan Snyder uh, we have we have the same situation here with the Cowboys they did their own investigation the Arlington police were never called there was no independent investigation of these two alleged incidents and um, as I said, um, we've got to take their word for it. They say they did a first-in-class investigation, but we don't have any evidence from it um, other than them saying that it was thorough. And they did tell us they put a letter in Rich Dalrymple's personnel file, a, 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 a warning letter. But beyond that, like I said, this sort of the the data of precisely how long Dalrymple was in that cheerleader's dressing room, I believe, um, was part of that investigation that has not been turned over to us. So listeners can make their own judgments about yeah. what it likely shows.
1: And the dichotomy, we're talking about Washington and, and Dan Snyder and Jared Jones are good friends. And I saw their relationship over the years. But there is a dichotomy right now because Roger Goodell asked at his press conference at the Super Bowl, where that morning, Dan Snyder says, We'll look into it. I'll I'll hire my own (laughs) investment. And then then, uh, Commissioner says, no, no, no. He's not going to investigate himself. We'll do it. Uh, And then the dichotomy here where Brian McCarthy, the head of PR for the NFL, said last week after your story, that's a club matter. Yes. So they're not looking into it. It sounds like from the NFL's point of view. They're not getting involved correct
0: no, that's right, uh in fact, Brian McCarthy told me that uh on Friday he um and we did a follow up story and he said the club handled the matter yeah uh and no, they're not going to 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 look at this, and uh they apparently are satisfied right that's the implication that they're satisfied the way this was handled um by the cowboys, but you're right, there is a certainly. A split there. And, you know, Jerry Jones last November on the Bob Costas uh, show, HBO show, uh, talked about the Snyder. You know, this is after John Gruden uh, lost his job and the leaked emails. And he was asked about this and he said that he welcomes transparency um, when it comes to the Cowboys. He welcomes a close look at the Cowboys front office. He says we should expect that we should do that. Uh, and again, I'll leave it to your listeners to make a judgment about how transparent Jerry Jones was in our reporting for the story. Certainly Wilkinson was. And I, I, and I have to say that. I mean, I I had a lot of questions. He gave me information that they didn't have to give me. Right. Even about the disciplinary letter uh, and some other aspects of this. But I did ask for key evidence as I keep talking about and We didn't get that. And I was not able to interview Jerry Jones for the story
1: as you know better than anyone in media perhaps jerry will find a microphone soon a microphone <laughs> will, will find him probably uh, if not before the owners meet well maybe the
0: combine i think um, at the combine yeah i think that's I the most likely right in about yeah next week the end of next week and you know. i would think
1: if not you but someone will ask about this what do you think he'll say
0: i think he's going to echo what wilkinson said i'd be surprised if he goes beyond that although you know jerry does often go off the talking points right but um but yeah i mean more likely than not he's going to say we thoroughly investigated these two matters uh we found no wrongdoing um by rich dalrymple um without getting too deep into the details of what is your definition of wrongdoing right um you know using a security key card to get access to a cheerleader's dressing room i guess is not wrongdoing uh if if you believe that Dalrymple says it was an accident and there's nothing on his phone, but I think he's going to stick to those talking points mainly. And, and I would also be surprised if he doesn't say something nice about rich Dalrymple um, and something supportive of, of him because of course he was with him for 32 years. Uh, and it was the close confidant that he describes. So, um, but we'll see, Jerry does often, uh, surprise us, right. And say things that, uh, that you, you, you can't even imagine he would say. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he says. It probably won't be me. I won't be at the combine. I've got sure. more work to do, uh, elsewhere, but, um, but yeah, we'll be certainly watching carefully to see what Jerry says about this publicly. And what becomes of Rich Derrum? Well, again,
1: this, this longtime veteran, Now, I guess we can all say, hey, he's been at a long time. It's time to enjoy life in retirement. But it just sounds like this was not a totally voluntary retirement.
0: That's how it that's certainly how it feels. But I don't know for sure. You know, you take him at his word. Look, he's 61 years old. um, And he had, as he says, a long and fulfilling career to use his phrase from his statement. And, um, you know, he's insisting that, uh, our investigation had nothing to do with it. Um, I don't know what's next for him. It's a, it's a good question. Andrew would certainly be, you know, I was hoping that he would, you know, get on the phone with me and, and answer my questions. I mean, he considered it, he had more than a week to consider it, uh, and, uh, and then decided just to give us the statement. And as far as I know, hasn't said anything, uh, beyond that, um, yeah. to anybody. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, where he goes from here, uh, who knows?
1: And to be clear, the statement, if I'm recalling it correctly, in the article, uh, he denied the one incident and he said the other was a mistake. I assume the the mistake was the cheerleaders and he denied the upstart of Charlotte Johnson.
0: Yes, his word is accident. He said it was an accidental entry into the cheerleaders dressing room. And as soon as he saw that there were young women in there, he left immediately. Uh, And yes, he completely denies uh the alleged upskirt video incident in the in the draft war room any other thoughts on it don anything
1: you want to leave us with
0: this yeah i it just this, you know it's it's it, it's a really sad story yeah. andrew i mean you know when i first heard it it you know again it's uh it it's something that as as i suggested earlier i think I've since found out was something of a little bit of an open secret in some media circles, apparently in Dallas. Um, it's, it's sad that, um, that it's come to this. If in fact, it was a a trigger mechanism for Dalrymple's uh, early retirement, if it's not something that he did voluntarily, um, you know, certainly it's, it's not a great headline, particularly in this environment with what's going on on the Hill and, um, with the Washington commanders, um, certainly bad timing, I'm sure from the, perspective of Jerry Jones and the Jones family. Um, but as a reporter, as an investigative reporter, we got the tip and, uh, and it took a while. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy one to get. Um, but there was certainly, you know, I mean, we have a quote from a former cheerleader, a friend of one of the four cheerleaders who said, um, you know, it hurt my heart, I think was her quote, that this happened because this was their safe space. This was a place that they didn't expect their privacy to be invaded in the way that it was. They're absolutely convinced those four young women that Dalrymple was there with his phone, taking images of them and they were not satisfied with the way the Cowboys handled it. Cause of course they didn't know that Dalrymple got that letter. They, they wanted to see him fired. They felt that that's what would have okay. been the appropriate response. And, you know, uh, again, I think because of that disenchantment is ultimately how, uh, as a journalist, I was able to get the story. Um, and, uh, uh, so, you know, that's my thought, but yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's a very sad, uh, heartbreaking story for everybody involved.
1: No yeah, it is. it is. And so well done by you. What else are you working on? Anything that <laughs> I'm asking you to share, but I know you're always busy with, uh, with some inside reporting about...
0: Yeah, we have, we actually have, um, you know, anytime you do a story like this, you get leads. And so uh, I often say that doesn't mean there will be another story, but, you know, there are, we have some tips and some things that we're pursuing. um, NFL related, I'll just leave it at that. Not, you know, not necessarily Cowboys related, although there's some... There's some there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've got quite a bit more work to do to chase down some things that we're, uh, we're pursuing. Some of them, um, seem very intriguing and and worth my time. So that's what I'm now doing.
1: I encourage everyone to read this. Uh, It's on the ESPN website. The Cowboys pay 2.4 million to some cheerleaders about a settlement and everything we just talked about. Don, great to catch up with you and great to hear you on this podcast. Your voice is one that we need out there as much as possible.
0: Well, thank you, Andrew. It's always great to be with you, and uh, keep up the great work with the podcast. It's a, it's it's one that's needed as well. So uh, keep up the great work, and thanks and for having me. Back. I'll have you back for
1: repeat performance soon.
0: Look forward to it. Thank you.
1: Really hope you enjoyed that. Don is so good. He's so good at what he does. He's one of the uh, real enterprise reporters in sports, let alone football. He's write, written great stuff on Jerry Jones, as we talked about, and he really has insights into teams like the Cowboys that no one else has. Hope you enjoyed it. Now a word from a new sponsor that I feel very strongly about. I've started taking Athletic Greens years ago, and Athletic Greens have been important in my overall health and my overall fitness as I try to be the best that I can. I consume it, I take it every day. It benefits my lifestyle. It is lifestyle friendly, whether you're vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, no sugar, less than one gram, no chemicals, artificial, anything. Still tastes good. I notice my sleep's better, my recovery's better, my mental clarity, my alertness. It uses the best of products based on the latest science, constant product iterations. It always seems to be getting better. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues. He ended up on a complimented, complicated supplement routine to recover and it was costing him so much money. He just created AG after experiencing how difficult it was to do it on his own. So it has 7,000 five-star reviews. It's cheaper than getting all the supplements through yourself. It's an all-in-one nutritional insurance and recommended by athletes as well as people like me. Make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BOS, that's Business of Sports. Again, athleticgreens.com slash BOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with my friend Don Van Natta. Thanks to my producer, Brian Neal. Thanks to my music producer, Sam Brandt. You can find me on my newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. Of course, I now do a sports business league where you can talk to me every day. Andrew-Brandt.com SBL is the way to get that. Of course, the column at Sports Illustrated. And Twitter, Andrew Brandt, and Andrew Brandt2 on Instagram, AB719 on Clubhouse. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.